Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw. Um, hi guys, welcome back to Horror Hunt. I am one of your hosts, V. And I'm Meg. Hello. Hello, she is the other host. We're here pretty much every week. Yeah. Unless we decide to, you know, take a break because we deserve it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to deserve a break after this weekend. You've been having fun, oh. partying hard. It's not even partying. It's just, you know, went to a concert. Obviously, we film these. Well, not film these. We record these in advance. Um, So this date is Friday 3rd because I am out all day Saturday um, at a day festival. Um, And then yesterday I was at a concert pretty much all day. And today, on the 3rd, I went to see men (laughs) and i enjoyed it i really did some of the cinematography was gorgeous and beautiful Mm -hmm. and the music was great but i'm just very confused about certain aspects certain things so yeah there's a particular scene in it that um if you've seen it you'll know yeah if you've seen it you know that i was just like it just it keeps going it just keeps going uh so spoiler alert um it, you can skip probably a few minutes ahead if you want um or if you don't mind men being spoiled for you just you know keep listening but i got very confused about the birthing scene near the end and i don't know what it means so the the way that i saw it is after everything happened between her and I think her name's Harper and her ex um I think that the movie was supposed to symbolize like her seeing the same flaws in every man that she sees so that's why it's played by the same actor over and over again and I think that the final act the birthing scene I think you said it earlier it just keeps going on and on and on. So the asshole men are going to raise asshole men children. So the cycle's just repeating itself. Like that toxic cycle just is ongoing um, no matter what generation you're in. Um, at least that's what I got from it. I haven't looked into it too much. Um, but I know that a lot of people are like kind of shitting on this movie for that reason. They say that it's a it's a women's issue and it should have been tackled by a woman director um which I can totally see that too but also you know even if you don't like it men have a right to to speak on those issues as well so I personally still give it like a six and a half seven um there are some things that I would have changed in it but overall I vibed, and like you said, it was beautiful. I mean, there was too, I there was too many scenes of just nothingness, like yeah, too many shots lingered on the landscape. And yes, the British countryside is beautiful, but it's not that quiet. <laughs> I guarantee you, it's not that quiet. <laughs> I, like I said, I kind of want to look into it more because the way that I kind of saw it also was like Mother Nature. So, like, you have that, like, feminine side as well. At least that's what I thought. I could be reading into it too much, but... There was just some symbols, like, they symbolize certain things that I don't think I fully get. Like, when, um, you know, the homeless man um, appeared in her garden and then he just blew a load of, like, um, dandelion, like, well, no, daft dandelion dandelions i think yeah yeah dandelion like little seeds and she inhales one i thought it was going to go in a direction of like he was putting a like putting a seed in her sort of thing she was going to give birth i i thought that's what was going to happen because it it made such an emphasis on her inhaling this seed while crying and i thought oh so she's basically gonna get pregnant from this and not the case at all um but i don't think it handled i I think it handled the domestic violence situation well um especially from a male perspective 
Um, but yeah, I could have smacked the priest, honestly. Yeah, he was a fucking asshole. But I still think that that the little kid was super creepy to me. I don't know. What is it called when something looks like something, looks like a person, but isn't a person? It's um, basically uncanny valley. Yes, like. like I got those type of feelings from that because I'm like, that does not look real. But I like this movie because although it does have a very, like you said, kind of slow tone throughout the beginning and like a lot of filler scenes, it isn't that long like it's not too long of a film and the final scene the body gore like the 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 body horror in that it made me laugh because I was so uncomfortable oh oh yeah I mean (laughs) when that was happening you know the hand through the letterbox and then the knife through you know the arm I could just see from the corner of my eye my mum just going and in that moment, she was like, right, it's time to clean my glasses sort of thing. <laughs> she was like, uh-huh. She hates it. She hates the gore. I I couldn't give two shits about it because I know it's prosthetics. I know, you know, it's special effects. But she just hates it. Oh, my God. But I did enjoy that very much. Yeah. So overall, I think it's a decent movie. It's not going to lie to you. I like it more than the movies that we're going to talk about today. Yes, yes, which is a very good segue into today's topic. So today, Huns, we are discussing um, Ari Aster and his current two full feature movies that are out at the moment, Hereditary and Midsommar. And yeah we've basically got differing opinions we do on this um i do enjoy these there obviously are some flaws but i do enjoy them more than some works i've you know watched recently and you you have you (laughs) i don't want to say like a vendetta (laughs) but you, you don't like these films no i I don't, and, like, I know that I'll probably get shitted on for the words that I will say on today's episode, and, like, I have accepted that. This man has such a following just by these two movies, and I understand why. Like, I was talking to V earlier, and I said to you, like, I respect him. Like, I totally do. I'm just not, I'm just not a fan. Um, Both Hereditary and Midsommar have the same fatal flaws um, that just make it so hard for me to jump on the Ari Aster bandwagon. And, you know, that's completely understandable. I mean, as I say pretty much most episodes, it the world would be boring if we all had the same opinion Absolutely. And, you know, and it's why we have this podcast is so when we do have differing opinions, we can be mature and discuss it like adults and, you know, respect each other's opinion. Like, you know, when you told me you didn't like Ari Aster, I wasn't like, oh, my God, that's blasphemy. How dare you? He's like one of the best directors of our time. You know, that sort of thing. I was like, okay, that's fair enough. I can understand why. I don't know the full extent. So some of the stuff you're going to say to me today is probably going to be like, oh my God. It's really not that like... (laughs) Matt ears. It's really not that (laughs) shocking. I mean, I kind of judged A24 because I saw The Witch, which I liked, but it's a slow burner. And you know me, I don't really like long movies. Mm. So um, I saw The Witch and then I saw, I think her... Is it Hereditary or did I see Lady Bird first? One of those two. And like... Uh, I think you saw Lady Bird first and then it was Hereditary. Whichever one came out first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was Lady Bird. And both of them, I just was like, oh my fucking God, get to the point. Um, But I've said on here, and I know that you know I don't like super long movies, which his Mm. movies are very long. And I really... you definitely... The human embodiment of Pete Davidson's SNL skit of like, I like short ass movies. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, I'm not somebody who rewatches stuff very frequently. Um, like, if I really am into something, I'll rewatch it. But maybe this is going to make me sound dumb. But 
I don't like that I have to watch his films multiple times to pick up on every piece of the storyline. Like, to me, I don't know, it just, it's just a miss. I completely get that. Um, There are obviously some films I like you I wouldn't mind re-watching again especially if I really like it and you know a second watch you can tend to pick up some more stuff mm-hmm. um but I do completely understand where you're coming from with Ari Aster he likes to hide things in his films it, I think purposely to make people re-watch it and you know films shouldn't be like that you should be able to watch it once, enjoy it, and that's it. And if you want to rewatch it, you can rewatch it, sort of thing. But I think definitely with his films, he hides a lot of symbolism, a lot of shit in the darkness, background, that sort of thing. So you have to rewatch it with like knowing the whole story and then go, oh yeah, that makes sense now. Yeah. Which shouldn't be the case. So it's just like Midsommar, isn't that like two and a half hours? So, like, if it is two and a half hours, that's five hours that I'm giving to watching a movie that I didn't even enjoy on the first watch. So, it's just, like, mm, like with Hereditary. So, when did Hereditary come out? What? Probably, like, 20... 2018. Yeah, I was about to say 2018. When it first came out, I didn't go and see it in theaters because I was like, I don't want to see a movie that, that that's that long. So I watched it as soon as it became available for home viewing and I knew that the hype was like super good. Like everybody was talking about it and I wanted to like it so much but I didn't. Like I've watched Hereditary three times in order for me to like fully wrap my brain around it and like really come to grips with like what I didn't like with it. And for both Hereditary and Midsommar it's I just don't like his storytelling and I don't really like the stories that he's telling. So, no, I completely get that. So, yeah, Midsommar is two hours and 28 minutes. Bro, and that's insane to me. Hereditary. <laughs> yeah, hereditary. But then I just sat and watched all of Stranger Things in less than 24 hours. So, like, but the thing with Stranger Things that's is different. it's gripping. Like, his stories mm. don't have a, like, a, there's no incentive for me to keep watching these, I feel. Yeah, yeah, hereditary was two hours and seven minutes. So his movies are like a mindfuck to me because I don't like the stories that he's telling, but like visually I feel like his films are breathtaking. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, he's only got two films out, right? And both um, both the films were at least, what, a year within each other? So Hereditary 2018, Midsommar 2019. And I don't know, it just felt like he with Midsommar definitely he was trying to capitalize off the success that Hereditary had and I just felt like you know he was like right I've got this idea let's try and do this like sort of thing and you know there's a lot of things that could be cut out of his films that to make the the movie length shorter no Um, yeah totally but yeah, it's just it took him ten years to make his first full length film. Damn. Ten years to craft, you know, your sort of thing. But by just doing shorts doing shorts is a great step, but you it's so much different from doing a full feature length film, for sure. Like, as we've seen from Ty West and his segments, you know, in VHS and ABCs of Death like you can kind of see his style but not fully it wasn't only until you know he started releasing full-length films that he started to really craft his you know signature and his films and you know that's why he is now probably going to be a top player in the horror genre so I'm not gonna I, I wasn't gonna bring him up but like Here's the thing. All of Ty West, even from the OG, I think the Roost that came out in like 2005, um, he makes slow burner movies. So I'm not saying that I don't like slow burner movies. It's just 
got to have something interesting. It has to have something that's going to keep pulling me to want to watch it. So I don't know if you want to dissect both movies, um, starting with Hereditary, and then just kind of like go through them from there, because I feel like then we can like truly explain, or at least I would love to hear why you really like his movies, because coming from somebody who just does not fucking vibe... All I hear online is, oh my god, he's amazing. He's brilliant. Like, his movies are beautiful. But, like, I would love to hear from you why you really like his stuff. Yeah, so I I wouldn't go as far and say, like, he's a genius or anything. Like, he's not reinventing the wheel. No. Or anything. I didn't see Hereditary and Midsommar when they came out. I watched them much later down the line. Um, I think I watched them mainly because people are like oh my god these films are so amazing and so scary and I watched them and I was like "Mm, yes I can kind of see why people would say it's scary and why they think certain things um I do enjoy them like obviously I've got gripes with you know pretty much most films (laughs) but you know um there are certain things I can overlook you know yeah and I think with these, um, I can. So let me start with Hereditary and what I've got written down. Um, so, yeah, I did enjoy it. Uh, but it's not my most liked out of the two he's got. Okay. Which, you know, is not saying a lot. Because how can, <laughs> how can you really judge a director on two fucking films? Well, you, know? you want to know what? Here's the thing for me when you say that, though. Jordan Peele has two films out, and I fucking love Jordan Peele. Hold on. There's a difference there. There is a difference. Jordan Peele's already... Jordan Peele has also directed TV series, like The Twilight Zone. So... TV's different from films, though. Jordan Peele has (laughs) ideas that are completely his own and has made them into films. Mm. So, like... For me, if I'm comparing somebody who has two films, regardless of if Jordan Peele has made things before, Jordan Peele has original storylines, he has visually beautiful films, and he's able to capture depths with his actors, because I've uh, that's one thing that I'll give Ari Aster credit for. The people in his films fucking rock. Yeah, they feel very real. They don't feel like, you know characters in a movie you could actually see these people day to day obviously let's ignore the supernatural shit in hereditary (laughs) because you know even though yes i believe in the paranormal and you know witchy woo stuff but that is just a bit too much like yeah Uh, (laughs) but um i think i enjoyed miss samar a bit more because um hereditary is very dark like i'm not saying like the theme's dark i'm just saying overall it's dark like the lighting is just where is it sort of thing um and yes sometimes it does add to certain elements of the actual film however is it a bit too much darkness you know (laughs) it's funny (laughs) is it a bit too much it's funny that you say that because i think that hereditary out of his two movies is my favorite and i fuck heavy with the darker color palette and i think that that actually lends itself well to the story that he's telling whereas that's what i'm saying like visually his movies are great midsommar has that bright glowing look to it and i like the contrast in those two films but i felt i don't know i'm into that dark type vibe so maybe that's why i liked it um i personally that was one of the favorite thing my favorite things about his films so that's kind of funny (laughs) it is hilarious actually um yeah i mean like i do like some films though you know lighting is dark but for me it just felt a bit too much like Yes, um, when I say as to some scenes, um, it makes you think that things are hiding in the darkness and they're not. And it kind of like plays tricks on your minds. So then when it comes to the end of the film when, you know, there is still darkness and you're like, oh, maybe nothing will be in the shadow because I thought that would be last time and there will be then there is someone in the shadows. It kind of in that sense keeps you on edge and keeps you kind of like 
oh, oh, sort of thing. Like, what's going to happen? Why? Oh, is there going to be a person in the darkness? Is there not? And so. I think that that's kind of why I like that color palette that he chose and, like, the lighting that he did because you said it, like, you aren't really expecting it because he keeps showing you things in the darkness and there's nothing there. And then it's like, boom, there's something. But it took so fucking long to get to that fucking point but i mean upon my first viewing of hereditary i was angry by the first act like why would a mother let her teenage son take her tween daughter to a party where she knew that there was going to be drugs and alcohol peter why would you abandon your sister at that party Charlie, why would you eat a cake at the party if you know that you have a severe allergy? And why would you not have a fucking EpiPen? And like, okay, that's my first viewing. And upon the second one, you know, I picked up that all that can be explained by the cult. I mean, you see the cult symbol on the telephone pole that she is decapitated by. I watched an explained video that was like, oh, they put the deer in the road. I get that, but like this whole elaborate constructed plot to get peter into the host body just went on too fucking long and yeah i didn't like it because i didn't pick all that shit up in the first viewing but also i shouldn't necessarily have to watch a film twice for all the pieces to come together for me at least that's how i feel no i completely get that i really do um yeah It's difficult because you feel like there is probably a lot of character development going on. But when you watch it multiple times, you realise that actually there isn't really any character development going on from any of them. And I get it. The overlying story of Hereditary is grief. Um, Obviously, we start off the story with Annie's mum passing away and then halfway through Hereditary Charlie dies after you know eating a cake having an allergic reaction getting her head you know chopped off by a phone pole but I don't know there could have been some more stuff that made the characters feel more well rounded like we saw Annie's grief But did we see the husband slash the father's grief? I think that he was merely there to, like, try and keep his family together, if anything. And, like, that's another thing. It's almost like the the grief that this, um, that he put in his story was almost like a plot device that was Mm. never fully fleshed out. Because, like, take Hill House, for example. That story is 100% about grief. And they give you well-rounded, fleshed-out characters. And, like use that to enhance the storyline whereas with hereditary it it felt like the grief was just used to try and give the film a deeper meaning that it didn't necessarily Mm. need or flesh out like the setup for the story left me sighing so like that's not good and then it just felt like the middle of this story was just too slow and too scattered and like every connection almost felt like it was grasping to me to get to this lackluster ending that had absolutely like nothing to do with like the theme of grief so it just felt disjointed and not connected yeah it turned from a horror film about grief and how grief can consume you to it ending as a cult film yeah and it was just like how did we get from point a to point c exactly and so I was going to say so quickly, but it wasn't so quickly. It was was seven minutes. (laughs) Right. So, like, you had to sit through so much of this to give you a, a... To completely spin the ending. And it's just, like... I don't know. It just felt lackluster after the way that it was set up. Like, especially when it wrapped up in, like, the last ten fucking minutes. It's, like... hmm. Yeah, that... It was a fucking long film, but as soon as it came to the ending, they were like, yes, 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 let's do all the things at once. Like, let's kill off the father, let's kill off the mother. Let's, you know, make the son the new host body sort of thing. And it was just like, whoa. You had two hours and seven minutes to do all this shit. Yeah. And you leave all, like, this important shit to the end. 
yeah, that's my issue is like, I'm annoyed in the beginning because I'm like, how did we get to this point? And then I'm just confused in the middle of it. And then I'm sitting there for the last 10 minutes and it's finally making sense. And I'm just like, I had to go through all that bullshit to get here to get me to like a possession cult storyline. Like I just went through all of this for nothing. Yeah. Almost. No, I get that. I get that completely. Um, yeah, I wish they would have maybe done one or the other. The cult, either a cult or a horror story about grief. Or my thing is, is like, what if they used this grief to like make somebody be possessed? Like they're unknowingly possessing somebody with their grief. Whereas this was all an elaborate setup for this. Like, that's where you lost me. I know that, like, in paranormal stuff, that people can bring about things. And that's the thing in witchcraft, is, like, you bring about what you're putting out. So it almost would have been more interesting to me if all of this grief got them to the ending. Not the ending made all of this come about. Does that make sense? (laughs) No, I get that. I get that completely. You are spot on the money. I know it sounds like I don't like this film. Yeah, it kind of does. But I do. (laughs) I mean, the acting in the film is fantastic. And obviously, we've got to, you know, applaud it to the main woman of the hour. Oh my God, Toni Collette. Yes, she is just in a league of her own sort of thing. Truly. And her acting in this film, I think, does carry it. A lot because she puts her whole badussy in it. She does put her whole badussy sure. in it. She puts her whole badussy in this, and I'm like, good for you, babes. Like, yes, slow burner of a film, but I could watch her for hours. And that's the thing. Like, I feel like all of the elements are there except for the plot and the storyline. For me, he is able yeah. to get such depth with the actors that he works with like mm-hmm. even Florence and Midsommar but like visually it's beautiful the acting is fucking incredible like but something is missing for me and like maybe I I don't know it's just but I will say there was a part in Hereditary um I think her character's name is Annie when she's mm-hmm. like banging her head on the ceiling like that that really fucked me up yeah not the ge- decapitation mm. scene the piano wire also was kind of like ooh jarring to me but it was her banging her fucking head on the ceiling that was like oh for me i don't know what it was about it no i get that i get that and i think it was only when i watched it the second time that i realized like the reason why she was acting that way is because the spirit of uh payman palem payman there we go i was gonna say or paymon or whatever paymon i it was only yeah only on the second watch i realized that his spirit was probably in her body and that's why she was acting cuckoo crazy sort of thing so basically i think that his spirit she annie said in the beginning that she would not give peter to her her mother and that is Mm -hmm. why they weren't in their life and then she said that she gave charlie to her mom so i think that the that his spirit was in charlie and that's why she was like cutting birds heads off and shit not only was that yeah. foreshadowing, but then from there went into Annie, or the book, the diary, I'm not sure, then went into Annie, then from there was able to get into Peter. But it's just like, like you said, it just feels like we're stretching here. Yeah, I get, I get he wanted to be in a male's body. But did we really need him to jump from, you know, the daughter to the diary to the mum to then the son? Couldn't we've just, you know, done it from the daughter to the son and then him kill, you know, his mum, his dad. I don't that sort of thing. Right, right. So the whole thing I'm just kinda like, uh, for me, like it just didn't hit. Like, even though his movie was visually pretty and had some kind of like jarring scenes in it, your movies are so much more than just that. Listen. You can put you can put glitter and bows on shit, but it's still gonna be shit at the end of the day. Right. And like we took we took this girl out, a demon took a child out using a nut allergy because it needs a male host. Come on now. Come on. Like that just felt so like It felt dumb. Yeah. It felt dumb. It f- Let's just say it. It felt it. Dumb. dumb. And it felt like it was lost underneath like the desperation to be deep 
and that's why it has grief as this plot yeah. device. It just like kind of made me roll my eyes. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> no, 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 no. I get it. And also, people with allergies, they never go anywhere without their epipen. That's what I'm without, saying. Without, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if um, <clears throat> say before they went to the party, Annie went to them. Oh, don't Charlie, don't forget your epipen pen just in case that could have been like mm, but see what if she forgets it but see here's the thing you can say that all of that was because of the cult they orchestrated this like it was a like almost like a dance all of this became because of that cult all of these steps were taken yeah, but- because of that and that's what i'm saying like that is such a fucking stretch it's too much yeah it's too much a cult wouldn't do all that shit. Like, that's too much to do. It is a lot to if do. If anyone actually, if anyone actually knows cults or looks into cults, you you will know that they would. They most definitely probably would not take those amount of steps to get that end result. Most cults go straight to you know the most drastic measure possible to get what they want. Also, think about it. So, the ma, the grandma, spent at least all of Peter's life trying to get him to become the host. It's like, girl, don't you have something better to be doing? Like, are you fucking kidding me? You just wasted your life on this shit? But why does it have to be her family? Why couldn't it have been any other member of the cult? Because it's hereditary, baby. Don't you know? It comes together with the title. Deep sigh, but like that's why it took me so long to watch Midsommar. I only watched it this May. I watched it on May first, May Day. We had agreed that we were gonna do Ari Aster, and I was like, so I guess I have to fucking watch this movie. And it took me so long to watch it because I wasn't keen on his first film. But Midsommar, yeah. no, I get did that. the same thing. It pissed me off in the beginning. Had a long, confusing, drawn out fucking middle part. All for it to end and quote unquote make sense in the last ten fucking minutes. No, I get that. I get that. But um yeah, let's let's <laughs> let's deep dive into Midsummer, shall we? Um I actually watched Midsummer before I watched Hereditary because I kept seeing this film everywhere. Like everywhere. And compared to Hereditary, it's a much brighter film. Which I feel like I am drawn to like daylight horrors. Mm. Like I feel like there should be more of it because yes, the darkness, the shadows, they're scary and they're all I'm gonna get <laughs> murdered. But when shit like that happens in broad daylight, to me in my mind, it just feels a bit more intense, more scary. Um, obviously it doesn't start off as a bright film the opening scene is very dark and um, we will get into the implications of what the opening scene was but I feel like it integrated the Swedish culture um, in a respectful way obviously I'm not Swedish so I don't really know but from what I've seen it does seem it was very accurate and respectful to the original tales in Sweden but the the way they also framed Danny's grief was interesting in this film like in the beginning when she was you know goes into another room to cry before she could fill on belt and cry they cut which kind of gave the emphasis of she was never really allowed to fully grieve because you know dickhead boyfriend dickhead boyfriend friends doesn't really have anyone else because you know her sister killed herself and her parents um but it was only when she got to the festival and you know it was around all these different women that we fully saw her be able to grieve if that makes sense yeah no it does it does you texted me when I was going to watch a movie. I was like, the f- the opening scene is really heavy. I personally didn't find it that heavy. I know that you really did, and it was hard for you to sit through. Um, 
and we talked about this a little bit via text message, but for me, the part that really annoyed me was that, like, they kept portraying her sister, who has bipolar depression, as crazy and, like, a lunatic and, like, off the wall, and that automatically just kind of, like, frustrated me so bad because it's just, like, oh, so we're villainizing mental illness now and, like, putting portraying them as, like, these people who are going to kill themselves and their family in this super um, heinous way. I just, it made me really want to just turn off the movie from the beginning. And I felt like Danny's character, although everybody loves her, her and literally every other character in this movie were fucking insufferable. Like, literally, even Chicken agrees. They were super annoying to me and like, Danny girl, you are in school for psychology, right? And she's like, I don't want to be leaning him on him too much. But then you turn around and go to Sweden. Like, why would you want to go there with this fucking douchebag? He didn't even tell you that he was going. So you just continue to make these poor choices and we're supposed to like feel sorry for you. But I low-key don't because you know that he's a piece of shit. Why would you want to go on a vacation with someone who you know is treating you poorly and that you shouldn't necessarily be leaning on, but yet you just fall face first into it. Like, I'm sorry, did she not catch the vibe that he didn't want her to go? She probably did, but she did just lose pretty much most of her people. Like, she lost her parents, she lost her sister, so... I think because we don't see Danny have friends. There's that one girl that, that she's he... on the phone with in the beginning complaining about him. She's talking to somebody and she's like, I don't feel like I should be leaning on him. Like she's talking to somebody else. Yeah. I don't know if that's her sister she was talking to. I can't remember. No, it's but... not because she's like, I haven't heard from my sister. And mm. I feel like I'm I'm like leaning on him too much during the situation. But I'm also somebody mm. who personally likes to be alone. So I'm like girl just like do your own fucking thing figure your own shit out like why are you relying on this piece of shit who like clearly doesn't give a fuck about you so from there i'm like "Mm, i'm sorry sis yeah but i think you've got to put yourself in the mentality as well of you know the grief you're going through and you're trying to grasp at the last remaining you know pieces of your life like even though yes her relationship is falling apart she's just trying to cling on to something because that she, she may knows. not be able to handle the loss of it yeah she knows he's a piece of shit but because you're in that state of grief you're like oh, i don't know how much more loss i can take and she's probably like i can't lose him like yes he's he's a dickhead but you know I can't lose him because how would I cope with, you know, losing my family and then also going through a breakup? Like, Girl, get your hair cut. Very... Reinvent yourself. There are better things to be doing with your time. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> what? After, you know, my family is killed. That's the Gemini coming out and me. I'm just like, just, <laughs> just reinvent yourself, bitch. Get it together. <laughs> um... But no, so, like, it pissed me off, and then it had this super long middle part, even longer than Hereditary, because it was very much, like, opening scene, grief, and then they're in Sweden doing drugs. And that's another thing, like, girl, don't let nobody peer pressure you into taking no shrooms. That's very true. Kids, don't drug. Don't drug. Don't drug and drive. Don't drug. Don't drug. Just don't drug. Don't drug somewhere don't drug. that you where you don't really know anybody and like mm. you don't know your setting. Like that just feels yeah. very sus. Yeah. And if you're gonna drug, be safe. If you're gonna make drug, sure yeah. what you're intaking. Yeah. If make sure you know what you're intaking. Make sure you're around safe people that you trust and don't feel pressured. If you're gonna do you know? drugs, do them safely. This is not safe. Yeah. Like you don't. She didn't know where she was. No. Don't, doesn't really know these people. Like yes, they're boyfriend's friends but you don't really know them you're in a strange country a strange place a strange festival that you don't know anything about maybe maybe yes maybe don't take the shrooms because you don't know how strong they're going to be especially if you've never done it before yeah Uh, speaking as psa from your (laughs) mums yeah speaking from people who don't do shrooms um that just doesn't seem like a logical next step danny maybe not um no, maybe start off with something softer, you know? Yeah. 
maybe start off with a soft drug. Um, you really like this movie. Because I felt like this one was worse than Hereditary. Which is interesting. I think it's because of the the cinematography and the colour palette. And I did enjoy the overarching story. Yes, it was fucking long. And like you, I I do I sometimes enjoy long movies. But as, as long as there is something happening mm-hmm. that keeps me interested. There are definitely parts in it where I'm just like... Yeah sort of thing i i i just wanted to sleep like why was there for sure the animosity between the two guys um about doing their thesis on the same shit like that felt that plot line just felt off like they could have Unnecessary. cut so much out of this and i know that they made a director's mm-hmm. cut of this it's like three hours long and i'm like for why why and will poulter's character pissing on that sacred tree which um, I would like to state on air that um, I love Will Poulter. Thank you. Um, we can cut this podcast now. That's the end of it. But um, no. Thank you, Britain. Once again. Once again. Um, man, I have had the fattest fucking crush on him for so long. And now he's like doing a glow up and everybody's like, oh my God, he's so hot. I'm like, where were you? And where are the Millers? Because he was hot then too. Like, where where have we all been? Or where have you all been? Because I've been new. <laughs> do you think he's hot, V? I've been newer. Um, I do enjoy the look of him. Mm. I do. Um, uh, Yeah, I do enjoy the look of him. I wouldn't say he's my full type. I've definitely got a specific taste in men. Um, and yeah. Fun fact, V. Um, he was actually signed on to um, play Pennywise in It before I'm... Um, really sorry um is it andy muschetti am i saying that correctly um there was another director that was signed on to do it and then that director left and then will poulter left um and then we got bill skarsgård but that would have been a fucking wild pennywise if he i think yeah i think it would have definitely been a different type of absolutely like compare comparing bill skarsgård and bill poulter i don't know Bill Skarsgård's got some choke hold on me. I don't know. He does. Okay, sorry. We're like totally off topic right now. <laughs> it's always the way, but you know, it's a conversational podcast. Yeah. We can talk whatever we want. And if we want to talk um, about how bad <clears throat> Will Poulter is, God damn it, we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when we do an episode on the Dark Pictures video games... Because Will Poulter is in one of them called Little Hope, which is about uh, Salem witches. Uh, we we can lust. I'm gonna. I'm lusting now over that man. Yes, mm. cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um. So yes, game. <laughs> getting back onto topic. Um. I know a lot of people do not agree with the ending of Midsummer, but. I can completely see why Danny did what she did. Let me explain. We've seen through the film her just slowly, slowly being more and more broken. And I think at the end of this film, she's just completely like full on like dissociated. Her mind is broken. I don't think there's coming back because she's just seen all these like ritualistic festival shit like people killing themselves sacrificing themselves for this festival and you know witnessing her boyfriend cheat on her um her not being able to save her family and her sister um being in the middle of nowhere having no one really her mind has just snapped and that's why you know, she probably chooses the boyfriend over some random person because I think at that moment where her mind is gone, she's like, there's nothing left. Put him in the fire. Put him in that bear. Put him in the fire. Burn. Sort of thing. Yeah. Um, which is kind of interesting because it's like, what's going to happen when they just don't go back to America? I guess nobody can really track that they're there because did they necessarily tell them exactly where they're going? They could just be like, oh, well, they fucked know. off to Sweden. So she's kind of like sitting there like, nobody's going to fucking find out. We don't know. We don't know if Danny has any other family. 
we don't hear about the boyfriend's family we don't hear about anything about families apart from Danny's mum, Danny's dad, Danny's sister. That is pretty much the only family that we hear about. Yeah, so I guess she's just kind of like, well, what else do I have to lose? And she's found a yeah. place that accepts her, that honestly mm, idolizes her. her. Get, yeah, lets her express her emotions and, you know, releases whatever built-up grief she has because I think one of the most powerful scenes in this is when we see Danny, you know, just wailing with these women around her, not mimicking in way, but sharing her grief. Uh, yeah, like uh, I don't know what it's called, but there's a certain thing that when someone needs to like wail and like scream and grieve, that a group of women will do like the same thing at the same time like absorbing the energy sort of thing because they feel like they're not alone and that they're able to kind of like shoulder that with her to like take even if it's a little piece of how she's feeling off of her and yeah you're totally right that scene is super good and again he's able to get these actors into this Mm -hmm. truly into their role like they are these characters so like mad fucking respect to him but it's just for me Again, not fleshed out characters. Yeah, like, they, like there was no stakes because I didn't feel like I really knew them at all. Mm. He's good He's good at building the worlds. But he's not good at developing the characters because he directs and writes his own stuff. I think he needs someone to just tell him when he needs to actually fully fledge out a character. Yeah, and here's another thing for me. I said that the plot lines pissed me off in the same way. I was angry in the beginning, confused and bored in the middle, and then, like, it made sense in the end. He did these, what, a year apart from each other? Yes. So we both feature stories surrounding and, like, fueled by grief, We also have another long-ass movie around grief that also in the end becomes a cult movie that features head trauma, like severe head trauma. If you're going to put out two movies back-to-back, year after year, give me something new. I've already seen it. Midsommar is just hereditary in a different font. No, I get that. I get that completely. So um, it'll be interesting to see what he does next. Um, His next film that is in post-production currently is called Disappointment Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And it stars Parker Posey and Joaquin Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And the synopsis is um, is currently a decade-spanning portrait of a director not knowing how to finalize editing about one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all times the genres are comedy drama horror Mm -hmm. so this will be his first footing into comedy as midsummer and hereditary were just drama horrors and this will be his first full-length feature horror comedy he's also the writer again so It'll be interesting to see what this one is like and if it's if it's different I to read, what Hereditary Midsommar was. I read something that he was like, my next movie is going to be a horror comedy that's four hours long. Listen. <laughs> hey, come here, come here, Aria. Come here. Ari, Ari Aster. Can I, can I call you Mr. Aster? Um, please don't fucking do that. Please don't. We... I've done long movies. We've done movies that were split up into two movies. We've currently got a Stranger Things series split up into two parts because of how fucking long it is. For the love of God, please do not make a four-hour movie because I can guarantee it now. I will not be fucking watching it. But here's the thing. He has such a following with these first two films that no matter what he does... I was reading, like, letterboxed reviews and, like, shit about Midsommar and about Disappointment Boulevard, and people are like, I don't give a fuck if he gives us a 12-hour movie. I'm watching it. And I'm like, 
you're going to waste literally probably 11 and a half hours of your life if he made a 12-hour movie because only 30 minutes of it would be fucking worth watching. I'm going to say something. Brave yet controversial? Um, I don't know if it'll be controversial, but I don't think people will agree with me. I think there is more talent and creativity in storytelling in a shorter amount of time than there is storytelling in a longer length of time because you have to fit so much into a film and and you know I get it I get why they do it because but it's vital to the story no it's fucking not do you know how fucking disappointed I've been in so many long length movies because they've just kept shit in that didn't really need to be in there and just just like what the fuck is going on there is definitely more talent and more creativity in shorter films because you have to really edit yourself you have to look at it and just go okay what is vital to this story after just having talked about anthologies for two weeks it's like just what you said you don't necessarily have to keep every single thing in your film in order to get your point across and I don't know if he's the editor for his films like I don't know if he writes directs and edits but it's like somebody needs to be in that editing room with him (laughs) if he is the editor because like dude come on no film editing by done by Lucan Johnstead. Okay. Johnston. Who has done Waves, um, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, um, Disappointment Boulevard, Midsommar, Hereditary, The Tragedy of Macbeth. So, okay. Yeah. Well, um, I still stand by what I said. If he's editing... If he's editing Disappointment Villard, it's going to be a fucking long movie. Great. I guarantee that now. Will I probably watch it? I I, I probably... This is going to sound really bad. I'll probably wait until it's home released. Me. Me as fuck. I saw Avengers Endgame in cinema. And oh my god. That was long enough for me. It's like, you're done. If I had to sit... Yeah. Here then. If I have to sit through another film that's almost three hours long, you can bet your fucking ass I'm gonna wait until it's released at home. Yeah. Because as much as I love cinemas, the seats get so uncomfortable and I can't get up and stretch because people are like, I can't, What the fuck are you doing? I can't pause it to go pee. I can't yeah. pause it to like go microwave something that I want to eat. Like, no, yeah. I don't like it. I just and I know that there are some films that you need to experience in a theater, and that's why I do go see some of them, but it's just, like, for the most part, mm. I want to be comfy in my own motherfucking home. I don't want to have to wear a bra. I don't yeah. want to have to wear shoes mm-hmm. when I'm watching this movie. Mm-hmm. I want to kick back, relax, eat what I want to eat, talk, pause it if I'm like, yo, did you just see that shit? Like, that's just how I watch movies, and I know that that's probably, Nicole Kidman is probably, her soul is being crushed right now. I don't know if it happens in your theaters, but, like, Nicole Kidman is, like, at the beginning of the movies. The AMC, your family, we're all here. Let's experience these movies together. And I'm like, fuck off. Like, if I want to watch a movie at home, I should be able to do it without being criticized about where I want to fucking watch my movies. <laughs> it's not Nicole Kidman for us. It is John Boyega, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it- they haven't updated it. It's been the same fucking advert for however many years. But all they've done, what well, they've changed it slightly. All they've done is added dinosaurs in it because of Jurassic Park. Great. The Jurassic World new films. Like, it's the exact same advert, but they all just like added, like, dinosaurs in the background. And you're just like, have I taken something? <laughs> Am I seeing shit right now? <laughs> is this popcorn laced? Um, like, yeah. like, you know, that food in Midsommar was. 
A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But I I do enjoy his films, but is he the most amazing, you know, director to ever grace our screens? Absolutely fucking not. People need to get out of his ass. Like they're so far up his ass. If it was say, you know Yes, we're gonna do a comparison of Jordan Peele like you did earlier. I would be up that man's ass. 100% of the time because the shit he actually puts out keeps me gripped constantly throughout it whereas Ariasta only there's only segments that keep me interested throughout his films and you forgot to also mention that um Jordan Peele's concepts are original We've seen The Wicker yeah. Man the original and the remake We've we've seen literally any other possession movies or cult movies Mm -hmm. he did not reinvent the fucking wheel he just made it prettier yep exactly like i think he would be great for collaborations like if he had a collaborative partner that did the writing and he (laughs) did the directing i think i could get behind that because you know, his directing isn't that bad, but his writing... That's what I'm saying. ...definitely desires stuff. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> desires like, more. For me, I love when somebody is a good storyteller. I like to read. I like to, like, put myself in that world, and I love original thoughts. I love a good storyteller, and I just don't feel like he is that great of one. Or I don't like the stories that he chooses to tell, I don't know. It's just his stuff just completely misses me. No, I get it. And like you said, Midsommar and Hereditary are basically the exact same thing, but a different font. Like, we have parents who die. We have a sibling who dies. We get the main sibling um, completely does a 180. into a cult. Yeah. Yeah, does a 180 and is indoctrinated indoctrinated to a cult just from different perspectives you know a male perspective and a female perspective same thing different shape bitch exactly so like as stewie griffith would say (laughs) so (laughs) i understand why he has a following because his films are beautiful and he's he's able to capture something from the people that are in his films and he does have very jarring scenes but movies are so much more than that for me, I'm not a Ari Aster fan. It it sounds like you kind of are, but there are some big issues with his stuff. And it, his films take themselves way too seriously. When you think about people, oh, yeah. people like, you know, Wes Craven, like he doesn't take himself too seriously. Like he's going to give you some batshit crazy storyline because we're also suspending our disbelief in these movies. Um, and it's just, it takes itself too seriously and too literal and just is so desperate, I feel like, to be deep and, like, have this deeper meaning. And, like, your movie doesn't necessarily always need that. No. So, with that being said, it'll be interesting to see how he does comedy horror. Especially with... his girly. Especially with Parker Posey and Joaquin Phoenix. I mean... I like Joaquin Phoenix, but he is just a very strange guy, you know? He is just something else. Yeah, like, he is a he is a, a touch odd. I mean, I love Parker Posey's character in Scream 3. She, like, low-key makes that whole movie, but I don't know. I guess it'll be something that we'll have to probably discuss on here, I'm assuming, um... And you know that me and V, whoever's listening, really like horror comedies. So I'll probably mm. watch it, but I can't say that I'll mm. enjoy it. <laughs> we can't guarantee also that we will be talking about it when it gets released, especially if it's going to be a really long one. 
we may wait until it's got a home release to discuss it. Yeah. Because that's what I'm feeling is... I'm tired. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm going to... If I have to watch it in cinema, I'm going to take a memory foam pillow, going to take a blanket, <laughs> going to take loads of snacks. Like, I'm going to make it feel like home. <laughs> yeah so that's all i have to say about ariaster um i hope that if somebody is listening to this and um really likes ariaster um i hope you don't take offense to anything that i say because i do think that he is a highly respected director and i get why he has um a following somebody um, actually reached out to us on Instagram um, to talk about hereditary because if you're not following us on socials, our social medias are... What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> um, our social medias are Twitter is Horror Huns Pod and Instagram is on Horror Huns Podcast. I posted a picture of myself with hereditary makeup. I don't know. Yes, because we we are trying to get back into taking our own pictures um for our instagram because it's quite difficult to do you know it's basically the podcast is a second job um so finding time for it without actual day jobs can be a bit stressful at times especially to think of what you can do yeah but like these have very iconic (laughs) scenes in them so like me and v recreated um scenes from these movies and um which it's very ironic that we both chose the film that we preferred as well yeah so that's pretty awesome (laughs) um but we will share them on our social medias um we've done this for other episodes too like our yellow jackets episode um our found footage Mm -hmm. episode we'll just like share pictures of um us kind of recreating the fun so go check us out but um i believe your name is talia twist Talia underscore twist um, guessed correctly that we were going to be talking about hereditary. So shout out to you. Um, But they said that it was really bizarre and um, got like halfway in and was messaging their friends who have seen it. And they said that to stick with it, it's a slow burner Um, and it is bleak at times. So yes, I don't know what pronouns you go by, but yes, girl. (laughs) And said that it was, especially bleak when Annie's up in the corner of Peter's room and scurries across the ceiling. Yes, that was very fucking scary. (laughs) And um, we recommended Mm -hmm. um, to check out Midsommar um, as well. So if you haven't seen both of those films, definitely check them out. Uh, Join the conversation on our social media so we can talk to you because we like talking to people about horror. But yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And next week... We've got a very special episode coming out. Oh, yeah, we do. We do. I'm kind of nervous very for it. Show. <laughs> this is going to be... I'm not. <laughs> well, I am. I am. It's also going to be my first foray into editing an episode. Yes. So, so next week, um, the episode will be edited by V. Normally, they're edited by me. Um, so... That'll be interesting. I'll have to definitely give you a demo. Yeah, definitely. Because, oh, it might be rough. It might be rough. But I'm going to do my very best. Going to do my very best. I'm going to be so, so proud of you when it's, like, completely done. I'm going to be like, oh, my God. Look at them go. They did it. As I cry in a corner, like, <laughs> please never make me do it again. Please. It's not that bad, I promise you. Um, but if I can figure it out, girl, I am not the brightest crayon in the box. Um, so if I can figure it out, you should be aces. Girl, I think we share one brain cell between <laughs> us. <laughs> I just borrow it on the days that I'm editing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... I don't know where mine's gone. It's lost at the moment. <laughs> well, I um, am excited. I wanted to tell you that um, I'm starting movie club again. We're doing a movie club with Trevor, or me and Trevor just like watch movies. The last movie I um, made him watch was um, Gerald's Game. Um, he had never seen Gerald's Game. And the movie that he is deciding to 
make us watch is Parasite. He has seen it, so essentially I'm introducing him to movies that I he's never seen and vice versa. So I've never seen Parasite. And I, we're doing a double feature. I am making him watch American Werewolf in London. Nice. 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 I have, I've seen all three of them and they're all very good movies. Okay, so I'll have to report back on how I feel about Parasite. Mm. But yeah, overall, vibes for this episode, me, not vibing. But, you know, somebody out there is. And me. I say I'm vibing, but then it comes across that I'm not, but actually I secretly am, but really, no. (laughs) Maybe I'm delusional. I think I'm delusional. Maybe you are. (laughs) V, do you have any last words for today's episode? (laughs) um the delusion is real in gemini season that was so rude but so true (laughs) it's gemini season and i'm thriving